A disciple is a follower of Jesus. As followers of Jesus, we need to make sure that we are thinking on things above. As followers of Jesus, we need to make sure that we are putting his word into practice. These practices are called spiritual disciplines. As followers of Jesus, we make an effort to walk with others as we all walk with Jesus. All of this is done through the work of the Holy Spirit. Morning. How's everybody doing? Good, good. Well, let me officially welcome you to the Christmas season. Thank you for all of our volunteers and teams who work to decorate the stage and the lobby to uh, help get us into Christmas, the Christmas spirit a little bit more. I'm naturally more of a curmudgeon, and so when people do these things, it helps me a little bit uh, to get into the mood of Christmas. So thank you for that. I hope that your Thanksgiving was enjoyable. Um, we are in week three of our Discipleship Pathway series, and we're going to continue in that today. If you're joining us for the first time today, or maybe you're here with family because you're in for the weekend, let me welcome you and just give you an idea of where we're going and where we've been. So two weeks ago, we started talking about uh, the learning category. And this right here is our discipleship pathway. It is a tool or a model that hopefully is going to give us some categories and ways that we can grow as we follow Jesus. And so two weeks ago, we started to take a closer look at learning and how are we making our mind, filling our mind with things from above? How are we having the very mind of Jesus? And specifically, what does it look like for us to think about God the way that Jesus thought about God. To have that idea, to have an understanding of who God is through what Jesus told us and when how we want to fill our minds with things that help us grow closer to God, not things that pull us away. And then last week we talked about training. What are some things that we're doing in our life? What are some spiritual practices or training exercises that we're putting in so that we can look more like Jesus? We called it training in Christ-likeness. Ways that we are intentionally choosing to live as Jesus lived through the practice of spiritual disciplines and how discipleship to Jesus is not just about knowledge, but it's about obedience. It's about actually about doing the things that he has told us and asked us to do. Next week, we're going to be taking a closer look at how we do this in the context of community. So we're not going to hit, we're going to talk a little bit about that, but we'll focus more on community next week. This week, we're going to focus on the role of the Holy Spirit and how he is the center of our discipleship pathway and why that is. The reason we're doing that is because when you take the Holy Spirit out of it, when it's something that the Spirit of God is not in, it changes the context of everything. It changes how we think, why we think, why we train, and how we live with others. And to do that, as Jesus did, without the help of the Holy Spirit is impossible. So today we're going to take a look at each of the three categories and how the Holy Spirit, the role that the Holy Spirit plays in each one of these categories or areas of our life. Hopefully to help us understand this better, we're going to take a, I want to remind you or tell, who has seen this, the movie, A Wonderful Life? It's a Wonderful Life. Most people, if you haven't seen it, go and see it. It's an old movie. You can, it'll be on, on CBS on probably Christmas Eve. It's on Prime and all these other places that you can go and watch it. But it's a story of a guy named George Bailey. 
And George Bailey is a guy who grows up in this small town, and he marries his high school sweetheart, and all of these things start to happen. And as he's going, he takes over the family business, and as he takes over the family business, he slowly starts to realize his life is not turning out as he hoped it would. And because his life was not turning out as he hoped it would, he finds himself in a bar one night drowning his sorrows away in a bottle. And while he's sitting there drowning his sorrows away in alcohol, there's an angel that shows up. And this angel shows up, and he doesn't know he's an angel, but he starts talking with him and says this to him, says, you know what, it might have been better if I just wasn't born at all. So the angel makes this possible. George doesn't know this, but as he goes back into town, the town looks completely different. And is this, the town went on as, this, as if he had never existed. And he starts to notice everything is different. People are different. People's lives are different. And he starts to finally put it together. The angel tells him, it's because you were never born. So the town and your area and your community looks very different. And that's the same way it is for us when it comes to taking the Holy Spirit out of our discipleship to Jesus. If we remove the Holy Spirit from that, it looks completely different. Even the small little integral parts of our lives and our walk with Jesus are made different because of the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life. Just like George Bailey and the little things that he did every day made a difference on his community and you took him out of that and the community looked very different. The Spirit's role in our discipleship to Jesus is critical. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn with me. We're going to start looking at the learning category or the, the, part of our, uh, the category, part of our lives where we're thinking. So go ahead and turn with me to John 14, 26. John 14, 26, this is where Jesus is preparing to leave. He's talking to his disciples, letting them know that he's going to be leaving soon. And so he starts to talk more about the Holy Spirit and the role the Holy Spirit is going to have in our lives and in the apostles' lives once he leaves. John 14, 26 says this, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything that I have told you. So one of the Spirit's roles, once Jesus left, was to be a teacher and to be a, someone who reminds us of who Jesus was and his teachings. Maybe this would be a familiar scene to you, you're reading your Bible, maybe you're reading a story or a part of your Bible that you've read several times. you read it many times, you know the story really well, but as you're reading it this particular time, something stands out to you that you've never seen before. Or maybe something jumps off at the page to you and you think, man, I've never noticed that aspect of this story, or I've never seen it from this perspective. Maybe you're able to understand what's going on a little bit better. That's because the Holy Spirit has come into your life and that's the work that he does. He helps us understand Jesus' teachings. He helps us understand how Jesus works in our lives. He reminds us of things. He teaches us. He comes alongside of us and helps us understand the truths of who God is through his word. He also helps us articulate concepts or ideas that maybe we would not be able to do on our own. Another situation, you're having a conversation, maybe it's with a, a classmate, maybe it's with a roommate, maybe it's with a close friend or a child, and you're having conversations about Jesus, Christianity, the Bible, and all of a sudden as you're in the midst of the conversation, you're able to articulate an idea so much more clear. You're able to remember something that you were taught long ago that you're able to apply to the conversation. 
One of the things we say around here often is followers share what they, well, let's do that. You can do a little bit better. We do this all the time. Let's do that one more time. Followers share what they, and one of the things that we find when we start to share what we know is naturally the anxiety rises up in us. I don't want to sound stupid. I don't want to sound ignorant. I want to make sure I know what I'm saying. And so because I'm nervous that I'm going to say something wrong, I'm just not going to say anything at all. And one of the roles the Holy Spirit does as he starts to work with our mind is he helps us have these conversations with others, gives us the words to say, reminds us of Jesus' teachings so that we can better articulate the truth and the hope that we have in Jesus. John 16, 13, Jesus says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide us in all truth. And in a day and in a time where truth is very relevant, for us as followers of Jesus to have a baseline of truth based in the foundation of Scripture, the Spirit helps remind us of what truth is and teach us what truth is so we know how to order our lives around Jesus. When it comes to the area of training or this category of training, all of it is focused around the Holy Spirit. Last week I mentioned the reason that we train to live more like Jesus is, be, is because we want to be people who are becoming more and more like him. We want our lives to look more and more like his look like. And how do we measure that? How do we, how do we know if we're becoming more and more like Jesus? Well, Paul, in his letter to the church in Galatia, in chapter 5, talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And just like a tree that's planted, the fruit of the Spirit are the things that we bear in our lives, the things that we produce in our lives to show who we are. So we've mentioned it before. If we plant an apple tree, we hope that the apple tree are going to bear apples or at least things that look and taste like apples. If they start to produce lemons, we're going to be a little bit concerned that this tree is not what we thought we had planted. And the same thing is true for us today. As followers of Jesus, we want to be bearing things that look like Jesus. We want to be people who look and live and think like Jesus. And some of these markers for us to pay attention to in our lives, some of this fruit that we need to be producing are things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And looking at that list, I think all of us can agree, if we are going to be people who live like this, who look like this, we need some help. Maybe for you, 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 you hear a list like that and you think, you know what, I am naturally a pretty patient person. I kind of go with the flow and patience for me is something that comes pretty easily and pretty naturally. That's awesome. Maybe for you, you're naturally a joyous person. You're someone who is happy all the time. People like being around you because you always have a smile on your face and you're always fun to be around. Maybe for you, you're naturally a gentle person. That gentleness is something for you that is just very easy. But maybe you look at this list and you think, you know what, I really struggle with being kind. Or I haven't experienced peace in my life in a long, long time. When we start to train by the help of the Holy Spirit, we start to become people who are peaceful people, who are loving people, who are, who are joyful people. And the way that we can start to measure that is the evidence of these things in our lives. When we start to replace our spirit 
and our will with God's spirit and God's will for our life, when we slowly start to replace those things, we become people who are able to live and operate in our world as Jesus has asked us to and wants us to for his betterment, for our betterment. And as I stated last week, this is done through the practice of spiritual disciplines. And again, they're called spiritual disciplines because we are helped or aided by the Holy Spirit. If not, they're just called disciplines. And disciplines or habits in amongst themselves can be good. Maybe for you, you are very good at disciplining your diet and the things that you partake in, the things that you eat. That's something that comes very easy for you or is a very natural thing. You're naturally a disciplined person. Maybe for you, when it comes to your studies, you read and you study up and you can naturally do that. And all of this is beneficial. But when it comes to spiritual disciplines, this is because we want to have the Holy Spirit come in and help us be more like Jesus, to be able to say yes to the things that we need to say yes to and say no to the things that we need to say no to. One of the spiritual disciplines is prayer. And maybe this would be familiar to you. Maybe, um, have you ever been to the point where you haven't known what to pray? Whether it's from the standpoint of you're new to praying. You've never prayed before outside of maybe saying thank you for the food or something like that, but prayer is not something that's been a, a part of your life and you just started to try to do it, but you didn't know what to say. You didn't know how to form the words and you've heard other people do it and they sounded really eloquent when they did it and you feel like you're stumbling over it, right? Or maybe for you, you're going through a really tough season in life and because this tough season that you're going through, you're prayers turn into more of tears and sobbing and moans and groans because it's so difficult you can't even put words together because emotionally you're so upset. I'm sure some of us have been there before as well. And when it comes to this discipline of prayer, scripture has a great promise and truth for us. In Romans 8.26, we read this, in the same way the spirit also helps us in our weakness. Again, the reason that we train is because we are weak in some areas and we want to get better. So here we have a promise that the Spirit comes in and helps us in our weakness because we do not know what to pray for as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with unspoken groanings. Intercede just means he speaks on our behalf. He translates for us. And so what that means is in those times when you don't know how to pray, when you don't have the words to pray or the energy or the emotions to pray, the Holy Spirit will intercede on our behalf and go to the Father and translate or speak on our behalf of what is in our heart. He comes alongside us and helps us to pray, helps us, to helps us and the Father have intimacy in prayer because he translates and does that for us when we don't have the words to do it ourselves. And this is just one example of how the Spirit comes in and helps us in our training in Christ-likeness. The final category that I'd like to talk about today is this area of community. And you may be asking yourself, how does the Spirit of God help us to have community with others? My answer to that would be, have you ever tried to live in community with others? It's difficult. It's challenging as humans, we are difficult to be around. We have a way that we like to do things, and to do that with others can be difficult, so we need the Spirit to come in and to help us do that. And he does so in a couple ways. First of all, it's important for us for, to have a brief understanding of the Trinity. 
And I'm not going to do a deep theological dive here of all the natures of the Trinity, but I'm just going to give a brief little outline here. So the Trinity is our understanding of God. And it's three in one. And you maybe have heard some of the, the references that's similar to ice, water, vapor, those type of things, or the egg. And all of those examples are good, but they break down at some point because you can't put an earthly example of something that is beyond that. But what we can understand and what I want us to do understand is this, is that understand how they relate to one another. How they relate to one another. Because this is something that we see in Scripture that before the beginning of time, when you look at the, when you look at the Trinity, they are in perfect community or unity with one another. And how do we know that? Because as you study and look through scripture, and this is something that someone pointed out to me a couple years ago, and it's completely changed the framework that I understand how the Trinity interacts with each other through what we see in scripture. And what we notice there is that the Trinity is always making much of the other. For example, Jesus, as we just looked about in John chapters 14 through through chapter 16, is talking about the Holy Spirit. And in that section, he says, it is better that I leave so that the Spirit of God can come. And that's an interesting statement because here he's telling this to the apostles who he has radically changed their lives. He's given them worth and value that they've never had before. He, they have watched him do miracles. They've watched people, him raise people from the dead. They've watched him heal people. And here he's saying, it is better for you that I leave so that the spirit can come. And why does he say that? Because again, Jesus could only affect the group of people that he was around where the spirit could come in and could affect so much more and do so much more work. And so he recognizes, I know you think that it's good that I'm here, but it's better that the spirit comes, makes more of the spirit. We see the father several times in scripture. First of all, when Christ is born, sends a whole group of angels to tell these shepherds, hey, guess what? My son is here. When Jesus is baptized, the sky's open and and God says, this is my son in who I'm well pleased and who I delight he's not making most of himself he's making more of Jesus and that's exactly what the spirit's role is the spirit's role is to make more of the father and make more of the son as we said here his job is to help remind us to teach us and remind us everything that Jesus said if you continue on in John 16 it'll continue to read that when he comes in truth he will just speak what he hears the father saying And he speaks to the Father on our behalf. He's not worried about his agenda or what he wants to do. He is communicating from the Father to us, from us to the Father, reminding us of what Jesus said. This idea of unity, community, is making more of the other person. We see this demonstrated by the Holy Spirit and by the rest of the Trinity as an example for us Can you imagine if you were a part of a community that put others first? Can you imagine how much more that community would be deepened if you weren't so concerned about what you wanted and what I can get out of it, but what I can do for others, how I can serve others? In our last edition of the podcast, Brittany Albright and Chris's, our worship pastor's wife, talks about a little thing they do just in their marriage, that they try to outserve one another. And of course, she said that he does a better job 
and he said that she does a better job, but that was their goal is in their marriage, within the unity that they have in their home, that they can outserve one another that they can put the other first. And when we start to do that in the community that we have, intimacy is going to grow. And if we're honest with ourselves, we need the help of the Holy Spirit for us not to be so selfish, but to be more selfless. And not only does the Spirit come in and help us with that, but he also demonstrates it for us for how he relates to the Father and to the Son. Another way we see this happening is the Holy Spirit in the context of community helps by guiding us and directing us. We have an example of this in the book of Acts. The book of Acts is a book that was written by the Apostle Luke as a continuation of his gospel, and it just tells the story of the early church. The church right after Jesus had died, conquered death, went back up to heaven, we have an account of what the early church did, and that's what the book of Acts is. And in Acts 13, 2 through 3, we read this. As they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work in which I have called them. Then after they fasted, prayed, and laid hands on them, they sent them off. Do you see what's going on here in these couple verses? We see the early church gathered together. So there's the community. They're worshiping, they're fasting, they're praying. There's some training. And the Spirit tells them to separate Saul and Barnabas for a special mission that he has for them. And what do they do? They obey. They didn't just allow the knowledge to be there, but they actually obeyed what the Spirit had asked them to do, what he had guided them to do. And if you know the rest of the story, Saul, who becomes Paul, and Barnabas go, and they plant churches all over the known world sharing the good news of who Jesus is, the hope that's found there, and For us, as most of us are Gentile, non-Jewish people, we are here because of the work of Paul and Barnabas and their missionary work that they did for years that ultimately ended up costing them their life. The Holy Spirit guided them and directed them on what to do, and he did that in the context of community. Because if we're honest with ourselves, most of the time, we can spin what we hear from God however we want to. I can do it. If there's something that I want to do, I can say, oh, I can feel like God is leading me this way. But what does it look like to invite community into that? What does it look like to invite community into some major life decisions that you're making? For me, this was best demonstrated when I was in college. I had some really good friends, Colby and Clint and Derek and Owens and Henniger. And we all lived, some of, most of us lived together in this house starting our sophomore year of college, our junior year of college. And we lived with each other and experienced community for about the next five to six years after that. Went and planted a church together in Oregon. And the beautiful part of this community is in a season of life where you can be very selfish, where you've got a lot of big decisions to make. I had people that were around me that I trusted, that knew me, that could speak into my life. And in that season of life, I feel like the Holy Spirit spoke through those men to help guide and direct my path. Something that left up to my own devices I may not have been able to pay attention to, but when I had major major decisions coming up, I could ask them to pray for me about that. 
and I had confidence and knew that they would be praying and praying for me and wanting to give me good advice. And they were able to do so in a way without all the pressure that I was putting on it. So what does that look like for us today? What does it look like for us to have community that we can take and submit to, we can submit to the Spirit together for God, what do you want us to do? How do you want us to live? What steps do you want us to take? And do that and allow other people to speak into that. When we do that, the Spirit of God will move in the context of that community. A lot of times it just takes us trusting others, which takes time. But the more open and the more vulnerable we are in those communities, the quicker that will come and the more the Spirit can work. Do you see the importance of the Holy Spirit in these three areas? Do you see how the Spirit can come in and work? One thing that I'd love to be able to share more with you about, but I don't have time today, is how this discipleship pathway came to be. It's a really amazing story of how God has started to, through his spirit, has started to really work and put, place, put this thing into place. As I said, it's been going on for over a year now, and this is something that for me, that through reading, through podcasts, through other things, God had started to put some things together, and through our staff here and our leadership team, we're able to, to craft this, which I hope will be a tool and a model for us to grow in our faith. And all along the way, as I reflected back this week, seeing how God has had his hand in all of it the whole time. And I hope that that continues for us, that we continue to allow and apply this to our lives, that we will grow more through the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So our Monday morning application is this. This is the practice we would like for you to to put in place this week. As you pray this week, Intentionally invite the Holy Spirit into these areas of your life and pray for eyes to see and ears to hear how he's leading. So what does that look like? So in your time of prayer, whether you're on your knees, sitting down, I would encourage you to to put your hands up like this. And I would encourage you to pray, Lord, when it comes to what I'm thinking about, when it comes to how I'm living and who I'm living with, Show me areas that I'm flourishing in. Show me areas that I'm doing really well in. Let me see how you've already been working in my life. But then also, what are those areas that I still need to grow into? What are some of those areas that I need to lean into a little bit more to pay more attention that I need to ask your help from more? Help me see those areas. Give me eyes to see what that looks like. And then start to put it into place. Start to practice it. Start to pay attention to those areas which God is leading. Now we're gonna finish the service today a little bit differently. And some of you are gonna love this and some of you are gonna hate this. Just FYI. If you're new, this is the first time we've done this. I don't know if this is gonna be a regular practice for us or not, but it's something I wanted to try this week. So, What we're gonna do here in a moment is we're gonna do prayer triangles. This is something that I first did at a passion conference, um, which is a college conference that you can go to and it's a a way that we can pray for each other. And so what what I'm gonna do here in a second is I'm gonna have you stand up 
and I want you to find two other people to pray with. Now, I understand where you're sitting. That might be a family unit. I would really encourage you to find someone that you don't know and pray with them. The main point here is I don't want people to pray by themselves. So if that means you become a prayer square, that's fine. Just make sure that no one is praying by themselves. And the way this is going to look, go up, find your two other people, introduce yourself. And I'm just saying all I want is your first name. They don't need to know your whole family background and why your name is this way. Just tell them what your first name is. Steve, Megan, Danielle, whatever it is. Just tell them what your name is. And then real quickly, give one thing that you need prayer for. Maybe your car is broken. Maybe you've got finals coming up and you've been studying. Maybe there's an issue at work that's really been bothering you. Maybe this last week when you were with your family, some tough things came out of that and you just need prayer for that. Quick, this is something I need prayer for. And then I do need someone in the group to take a leadership role and to say, you know what? I will lead this and start praying. And my encouragement to you is this. Everyone pray out loud. And it can be a simple sentence like, Lord, help Megan to get her car fixed this week. Provide for her in that. That's all it's got to be. But what I hope we experience, I hope we experience community together. I hope we experience the power of when God's people come and they pray together, that there is power in that. So as you're praying, also listen to God's people praying together. The band's going to come out here in a second. And when the band comes out, when they start singing, that is your time to know that, to wrap things up. So you marathon prayers, prayers. When the band starts playing, wrap it up. And we'll continue in our worship. If you finish early, that's fine. Turn, maybe pray for someone that, didn't, that you didn't have an opportunity to pray for. And then we'll worship together out of that. So everyone, go ahead. Stand up. All you introverts that are scared to death right now, it's going to be okay. Go find two other people and start praying for each other.